Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. One, two, three. What is now? ESPN Radio. What's up, Montana? Welcome back. ESPN Radio, Nuanas Now. Maybe you're watching or listening on SWX Montana Television or on the new ESPN Montana app. No matter how you're tuning in, thanks so much for being here. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Coming to you from stadiums in downtown Portland. Appreciate 10 Barrel Brewing for hooking us up. Uh, they have all sorts of fun stuff uh, for you down here and uh, just in general as well. Giving away all sorts of swag, letting you try all their tasty beers and ciders. And uh, really appreciate them for bringing us out here. If you missed anything in the first hour of today's show, all sorts of different perspectives on the wide world of football. Heard from Brent Vegan and Willie Matt Garza, the head coach and defensive coordinator, respectively, of the Montana State Bobcats as they get set to take on Oregon State here in Portland tomorrow from Providence Park. We also heard from Robbie Houck and Malik Flowers, a couple Grizz seniors, as Montana gets set to take on Indiana State in Terre Haute, Indiana on Saturday morning for those watching in Montana, 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, the kick there. We also heard from Dane Oliver, head coach of Missoula Sentinel, and Matt Johnson, the head coach of Missoula Big Sky. Sentinel plays up in Kalispell against Glacier, a pair of undefeated teams. One team will have their first loss tonight. The other will remain undefeated. And Missoula Big Sky, they host Helena Capital uh, in the Garden City tonight. Everything from today's first hour, you can find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is proudly presented by the M Store. The Advocates, and the Montana State Bookstore. We're going to keep on breaking down these games. We're going to bring in Andrew Houghton, our uh, producer, and uh, one of our analysts at SkylineSportsMT.com in just a minute. But uh, fitting, if you're watching me on the app or on Skype and you see the Chiefs flag behind me, I got to tell you, yeah, and I know a lot of, of uh, bloviating pundits like myself 
don't really do this. They don't really call themselves out when they're wrong. Usually it's somebody else that calls them out. But uh, I like to admit when I was wrong. And I got to tell you, it's only a two-game sample size. But I saw him twice in the span of four days. And uh, I was wrong about the Kansas City Chiefs. I I thought the Chiefs were going to be a a playoff team this year, at least in the mix for the playoffs. But I thought that their division was going to be much tougher with the addition of Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos and the emergence of Justin Herbert from the Los Angeles Chargers and uh, the continued fortification of a talented roster for the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, the uh, the Chiefs, I don't know if they're listening to me or listening to the other haters out there, but the Chiefs have been damn good. They rolled the Cardinals in their opener 44-21, and then they got all they could handle uh, last night from the Los Angeles Chargers. Gosh, Justin Herbert is nice. He is so good. His throw in the fourth quarter to bring the Chargers within scoring position of their last score and then and then eventually to score to put pressure on the Chiefs, what a rope. I mean, what an arm. The kid has just prodigious talent. I, I think that he is fast-tracking to be one of the best quarterbacks uh, on the planet Earth. But for as much as, uh, you know, maybe I think about his potential demise, Patrick Mahomes ain't going anywhere. Uh, he's going to be right there. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now and uh, ever. I mean, he is. He's already an all-timer. And I know that he's just got the one ring, but he's revolutionized the position. He's opened the door for all of these new quarterbacks to uh, prove that you can run spread styles and you can shoot from the hip. And like he said last night, you can play quarterback like you're playing shortstop. So uh, can't write the Chiefs off. I guess I wasn't writing them off. I thought they were going to be in the mix for sure. And if you have a quarterback like that and you get into the playoffs, then you, you, you got a chance for sure. I just didn't think they were an overwhelming d- favorite to win that division, but they proved me wrong. Uh, and I know we're only two games into the year, but the Chiefs look very good. Looks like they're not missing Tyree Kill uh, almost whatsoever. So uh, I'm eating crow here, and I'm doing it <laughs> just for you. So thanks for letting me, you know, uh, absolve my sins here Not live on the radio. The Chargers, by the way, I think are still a contender as well, though. I mean, not only do they have great offensive skill around Justin Herbert, uh, but also uh, I think that one of the new things we're going to see in the NFL is when elite pass rushers get paid and then they take a step back so they're not going to get paid again, so they have to leave where they were stalwarts. And I'm talking about guys like Von Miller, who went from the Broncos to the Bills, and Khalil Mack, who went from uh, the Raiders to the Bears uh, to the Chargers. Uh, I think that those guys, when they get that, not big contract, but the next contract, that's going to be such a fascinating deal because, you know, still making good money, but you also are you're expected to come in and fill a different role. You're expected to come in and be a spot pass rusher. If you tell Khalil Mack all he's got to do is play with his hair on fire on third downs, <laughs> Look out. Same thing with Von Miller. I mean, Von Miller looked like he was in, you know, 2014 form. He looked like an absolute monster uh, in week one for the Buffalo Bills. And uh, Khalil Mack, I know, played a little bit spot minutes last night. But that that's going to be an interesting fold. And then when you put Khalil Mack on the other side of Joey Bosa, look out. That's a pretty good uh, combo as well. Uh, last point on last night's game, Justin Herbert took a couple really hard hits. And the Chargers are going to have to figure out a way to keep him upright. 
uh, so they can keep him healthy. But it sounds like he suffered a rib injury. He had uh, some cartilage damage in his ribs. And uh, don't know what the diagnosis is moving forward, if he's going to miss time or not. But um, got to keep him upright. Got to keep him healthy. That, that's one of the only things I think is going to derail that young man is if Justin Herbert uh, suffers some sort of a, a devastating injury. Didn't look too serious last night, uh, but that's going to be a key for the Chargers uh, as they're moving forward. New is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN Montana app. Appreciate you for being with us here as we come to you live from Portland Stadium Sports Bar here uh, in Portland. We're going to keep on breaking down this matchup with Montana State playing in the City of Roses against Oregon State downtown and Montana I headed out to Terre Haute, Indiana to take on Indiana State. The first ever matchups between both these schools. So very, very interesting when you get first-time ever matchups. It's not that interesting that Montana hasn't played Indiana State before because, uh, you know, Indiana State's only been, uh, well, I guess they've been in the FCS since, it's, since it was Division I AA back in 1978. But um, they... It's a long ways away, so it's not necessarily a game you schedule as a non-conference. It is the first half of a home-and-home, home, so they will come to Missoula in a couple years. But it is kind of fascinating to me that Montana State and Oregon State have never played. They both had football since the 1800s. They uh, both are, are, you know, they're regional peers here. And, you know, back in the day, there was a lot more of that sort of crossover before there was such this defined line in the sand and such this huge money bag, which, by the way, Montana State's getting a huge money bag for this game. $675,000 is what they'll get paid to play Oregon State uh, here at Providence Park in downtown Portland. Um, but it, I just I found it a little bit striking that they had never played Oregon State before. Uh, we've given you some players to watch and things like that. But I want to go now. Back to the Missoula studio, back to the mothership there in the Garden City. Uh, our Andrew Houghton, he's been breaking these things down as well. Uh, we talked a lot about the Cats and, and Oregon State in this one, Andrew. So let's start with the Grizz. What are some of the things you're watching in this game? I'm finding this Grizz team, um, while they've been off to a very great start, there's not a lot of diversity in the things that you can analyze about them because it seems pretty, uh, pretty set in stone what the formula is. They do... So much aggressive stuff defensively that there isn't really a chess match. So it's not like if Indiana State does this, the Grizz will do this. If and when, if and when, it's not any of that. It's just pure pandemonium. It's pure chaos. And the Grizz are just going to do what they do, and that's it. Let it rip. And then on the other side of the ball, they just want to get a a lead early and then just sit on you and dominate you in the field position game, dominate you with their special teams. So I'm not really sure how much back and forth there is actually going to be when the Grizz are on defense. On the Grizz are on offense. I do think they have a lot that they can still uh, roll out there, but they haven't really showed much of it. I don't know if that's because they want to hide stuff or because they are just dead set on trying to play ball control or uh, when they do get a big lead if they just don't want to take any risks. But I I feel like there's just not a lot of diversity to analyze in this Montana team. But what have you been thinking about with the Grizzlies as they head over uh, to Terre Haute to take on Indiana State uh, on Saturday? Yeah, I think you're right. I think... A lot of the interesting stuff about this Grizz team is sort of going to be in the progression of the offense and sort of the continued potential of the offense, and we'll see if Indiana State can push them, you know, to unveil some more stuff on offense, or I want to see 
as well, Lucas Johnson, you know, just continue to be pushed, right? Again, against Northwestern State in week one, I mean, that's like your 100-level intro class. I thought South Dakota did some stuff that challenged him, pushed him to some places that he didn't have to go in the opener um, last week. I just want to see that continue. I want to see what Lucas Johnson's ceiling is, or I want to have a little bit better idea of it after this week. How much of that is dependent on the coaches? Because I, I just I find it interesting. Here's the thing that I find fascinating: is there is this narrative that exists that Bobby Houck is stubborn about letting his putting the ball in his quarterback's hands and having his quarterback being the defining factor for winning games. That said, and, and I know where that comes from, because 2006 or 2009. That's exactly what it was. I mean, I, I was good friends with Cole Berkowitz, who was the quarterback for most of that time period for Montana. And Bobby Houck certainly hardly ever let Cole let it rip. But Cole has, or excuse me, Bobby has let it rip with a couple other quarterbacks. When they had Craig Oaks, especially during that 2004 season when they rolled all the way to the national championship game, they spread it around a lot. And they definitely put the ball in Oaks' hands. And Oaks getting hot down the stretch was one of the keys to that that playoff run. Same thing when Bobby Houck first returned. That's what I find really interesting is the offense looked like a full-on shootout style, you know, run and shoot, throw it all over the place, up-tempo, all that, 2018 and 2019. I know part of it was they weren't quite nearly as good on defense. They weren't even close to as good on the offensive line. In fact, they were flat not good on the offensive line. But how much do you think this is just dependent on the coach? I, mean, I guess what I'm saying is, is there a scenario in which Bobby Houck and the coaches do let Lucas Johnson you know, take over a game, take control of a game, show what he can do? Well, it's tied in with the coaches, but of course it's tied in with the defense, right, as well, too. You know, if you're if you're giving up a touchdown a game at worst, where's the incentive to, to take the take the reins off your offense, you know? If we get if we see a team score a couple touchdowns on them and maybe make it close, or you've got a team who's able to score with Montana, even though Montana's, you know, not scoring a ton of points, but if you're seeing a team be able to gash that defense a little bit, then I think you do have to take the reins off the offense a little bit. But I'm not sure if there's a team that can that can do that, that can force the coaches to do that because the defense is so good. Nuanas Dow, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN Montana app. Coulter Nuanas, Andrew Houghton, talking all things Big Sky football. The Grizzlies on their way to Terre Haute, Indiana. Terre Haute, Indiana, excuse me. <laughs> I'm going to get it down before this uh, this week's over and then probably never say it again. Or maybe not say it for uh, a really, really long time. We'll see. M- maybe, maybe we do. Never say never, I guess, right? Uh, the other dynamic I was thinking about, Andrew, that, that's – Interesting, and Bobby Houck sort of referenced this in his uh, weekly press conference on Monday. One of the reporters asked Coach Houck about what it was like having a healthy backfield this year because Marcus Knight's back, although he hasn't gotten feature back like carries yet. That's probably smart considering Montana's been, you know, I mean, they've won their two games 71-7, to so... Uh, you don't want to wear a guy out when he is coming back from a serious knee injury. But they've also had uh, Nick Osmo back in the fold healthy. And Xavier Harris, who had a great freshman year a year ago, he's been healthy as well. And they haven't even really had to get down to Isaiah Childs on the depth chart 
hardly at all. And Junior Bergen's back outside playing wide receiver. I find it fascinating, though, because Bobby Houck mentioned that they didn't have those guys healthy at all last year. Now, Montana State is the school that's going through this. And the parallel is so strikingly similar in the fact that your number one guy, Marcus Knight for the Grizz last year, Isaiah Fonse for the Cats this year, is out for the foreseeable future. Doesn't look like, uh, I don't know if Fonse is going to be back or not, but I don't think he'll be back until we're wearing beanies and, and furry coats to the games. It's going to be a while. It's going to be till the weather turns. It's going to be way later in the season. I would say second half of conference play at the earliest, if not uh, even uh, longer than that. And same thing, we knew Marcus Knight was out all year, a year ago. But at Montana State, it's also been everybody else. I mean, Kagan Williams, a neck injury that Brent Vegan said on Monday, eventually, uh, ultimately, I should say, ended his one and only season at Montana State. We'll see if he applies for a hardship waiver or what, but uh, the San Diego State transfer, who was expected to be the starter in place of Afonso, he's out as well, never got a carry in a game. Lane Sumner looked like he was going to save the day and maybe save the season with his 176-yard effort against uh, McNeese State in the opener. But then he got dinged in practice next week, so he did not play last week against Moorhead State. Insert Jared White, a true freshman uh, out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Frisco to be specific. And he gets in the game, and he suffers a serious lower leg injury that looks like that's going to end his season as well. And so now Montana State comes into this game against Oregon State with just two running backs on their depth chart and two running backs that are healthy on their roster. Elijah Elliott, who's a sophomore from Portland, uh, he is slated, at least, to make his first start. And uh, Garrett Kuhn, who's a former Wyoming Gatorade Player of the Year, a kid out of Sheridan, Wyoming, uh, he's never got a carry in a game. He's a redshirt freshman. He was heavily used in spring, partially because they wanted to keep wearing tear off the other guys and partially because they just wanted to see what they had in Kuhn. But then he was slow during fall camp, too. Didn't get a chance to watch him during fall camp hardly at all. So uh, that's all to say, very similar situation that Montana State's experiencing right now as Montana experienced a year ago. Andrew, what do you think of this dynamic? But also, uh, who is it more serious for? Because the one thing we do know is since Jeff Choate was at Montana State, now since Brent Vegan took over, the Bobcats have a much higher desire to run the football. I know Bobby Houck really wants to run the ball, and if he could run it better, he'd probably run it more. But it seems like this is so detrimental to what the Bobcats want to do on offense. Yeah, it's definitely a serious issue for Montana State. This is a team that wants to do exactly what Montana can do with their stable of running backs right now, which is pick their spots, keep everybody fresh, and Montana can even you know pick and choose their guys depending on what the defense is showing them who they feel has the hot hand that day. I mean, it's like a great baseball manager with a great bullpen. You know, he can pick and choose his guys based on matchups, and Montana can do that a little bit too with everybody healthy because they've got Xavier Harris, who's sort of the scat back type. They can run him out to the sidelines. They can run him on stretches. They can run him on pitch options. Nick Osmo's the the between-the-tackles guy. Marcus Knight is a little bit of a mix of the two. You got all different guys for all different situations. Well, that's what Montana State really wants to do, and it really is detrimental for their offense, and we'll see, you know, if they can keep everybody fresh with between Elliott and Kuhn, and we'll see if they have to throw the ball more to sort of, you know, get the ball moving with those guys in. 
there's always the perception, and oftentimes that perception is reality, that it's going to be nearly impossible to run the ball against a Power Five when you're a Big Sky Conference school. Does Montana State even just – maybe they just scrap the run game altogether and just try to air it out. I mean, what do you think – I'm not saying – it's obviously a huge disadvantage to not have any running backs. But could that eliminate their, their – I, mean, I, I remember when Montana State played Washington State back in – I guess it was 2017 to open that season. And Choate was so dead set on running it. And then they got Troy Anderson hurt you know, in his second college game. I guess it was his first college game, and then he got hurt again against South Dakota State and missed the next week. But I guess maybe you don't have to bang your head against the wall because you know you can just kind of sling it around the perimeter. And Montana State does have good talent on the outside. So what do we think? I mean, could this maybe eliminate some of the frustrations that might have been inevitable trying to run the ball against the Beavers? Well, it might be a good opportunity for Tommy Malott to sling the ball around a little bit. I'm wondering if what they might do, though, is just – ride the quarterback run game, and we saw them do this last year in the playoffs against South Dakota State, which is one of the best defenses in the FCS. They just rode Tommy Malott on those option keepers, and that seemed like their back pocket case of emergency thing. And maybe you don't want to do that against an FBS team early in the season, which is a game that doesn't really matter in the shape of your season, or at least doesn't matter as much as some of their conference games later on. So maybe they don't want to do that, but I think we've seen them do that before, and they've got Sean Chambers who can spell Tommy Malott a little bit in that quarterback run game. I'm thinking maybe they they go that way if they want to keep the ball on the ground. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Sean Chambers will be one of the guys that certainly can stack up physically with Oregon State because, you know, he is an FBS guy, came from Wyoming, and he was very good at Wyoming, too. I mean, he's this is not a guy that that transferred because he was benched or wasn't playing. He was Wyoming's starter for three years in a row when he was healthy. I think he won 12 or 13 starts. He just had a hard time staying healthy. And then when Vegan left, he wanted to kind of reunite with his old coach. So that, that's an interesting uh, point and an interesting part of this. When you look at uh, one of the matchups I'm going to have my eyes on, though, Montana State's defensive line has been good. And Montana State, they've only given up two touchdowns so far this year. I know there's been so much talk. That, that's the defense. On the defensive side of the ball, they've just given up the two scores. And there's been so much talk of how do they replace all these guys. But there's also been so much talk of what have the quality of opponents been like. But the defensive line for Montana State have been, has been good. And Sebastian Valdez, he looks like the next guy there up for the Bobcats. I think he if he keeps developing, is going to be a real-deal NFL prospect. I think he's that talented and that uh, physically formidable. And they come at you in waves along the rest of the offensive line. And I don't know if they have any other guys that are that elite talented. I mean, they, they have good talent, but uh, any other guys that are going to look the part like the Oregon State guys other than Valdez, but they have a lot of them that can run at you. That said, Oregon State's offensive line is one of the strengths of their team. They have three guys that, that were uh, preseason all-Big Sky selections. All-Pac-12 all selections, excuse me. And uh, they're going to have one of the better offensive fronts uh, in the uh, Pac-12 this year. Here's what their starters look like. Joshua Gray's redshirt sophomore at left tackle, 6'4", 288 pounds. Marco Brewer, a fourth-year junior at left guard, he's 6'4", 297. Jake Levengood, a redshirt junior, 6'4", 288 at center. Brandon Kipper, 
He's probably their most decorated guy, a first-team All-Pac-12 guy a year ago. 6'6", 327 pounds, a fifth-year senior at right guard. And then Talise Fuaga, who is a true sophomore, 6'6", 326 pounds at right tackle. So they do definitely have good talent. We will take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll hear from Jim McAlchich. He is the offensive line coach at Montana or at Oregon State and he once was the offensive line coach at Montana State Jim McAlchich joins us next keep it right here Nuanas Now ESPN Radio Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm, when it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, we handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. It's new on is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN Montana app. Appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you rolling with us here on your Friday. Because it's a Friday, that means it's Friday Pie Day, presented by Front Street Pizza of Missoula. Front Street Pizza, located there, easy enough, on Front Street. Right across from the old public library, right up from the new public library, right below Rome Student Housing. First Street Pizza has traditionally sourced ingredients and delicious city-style, Brooklyn-style pizza. The garlic knots are delicious, too. I bet you you can't just have one. We have a free large pizza from Front Street Pizza. Here's the deal. All you got to do is call us. Caller number 3, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Call us right now. You win. We call in your pizza. You go pick up your pizza. You have a great Friday night. Call us right now. Caller number 3, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Caller number 3. We got a free pizza for you from Front Street Pizza. Ton of crossover uh, in this game between uh, Oregon State and Montana State with Big Sky Conference ties. Jonathan Smith, the head coach at Oregon State, he coached at Idaho from 2000 2004 through 2009. Then he was the offensive coordinator at Montana 2010-2011. A variety of guys on his staff also have Grizz ties. Haven't spent time in Missoula. And the offensive line coach for Oregon State, he was once upon a time the offensive line coach at Montana State. Jim McAlchich spent 1992 through 1998 
or Cliff Heisel's staff at MSU. Well, happy now to welcome in Jim Mahalchik. He's the offensive line coach at Oregon State, and he spent time at Montana State in the 1990s as well. The Bobcats play at OSU, but not actually at OSU, downtown Portland on Saturday. Coach, thanks for being here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. First, let's talk about that dynamic. I mean, what do you think about playing in Providence Park? What do you guys think about playing in downtown Portland? You know, I, I think it's a neat venue. Um, they've done a lot of stuff to it the last years. Portland State actually used to play there when I was at uh, coaching at Montana State. We played there a few times. Sure. Um, but they've really gone through with the with the soccer team there and fixed the stadium up. It's a neat deal. I, it's still not home. You know, you'd rather play at home, but, uh, but it's going to be a neat deal. Well, tell me about this start that you guys are off to. Good wins over Boise State and Fresno State, a couple of the better teams in the Mountain West. So what have you liked about uh, both your offensive line unit as well as uh, just Oregon State's play as a whole? You know, I think we've done what we need to do to win. Um, I, I still don't think we're playing our best football yet. Uh, that's something we can keep working on, which is good. But we got some. We got a lot of maturity. We got a lot of competitive kids, and, and we found ways to win. With the, the the building of this thing uh, under Jonathan Smith, uh, he's a guy that has so much reverence and and uh, he seems like a beloved figure in, in this part of the world. You know, as I'm sitting here in Portland, uh, he seems to be a guy that's talked about a ton and that Oregon State fans are happy to have back. So what do you like about his vision? What have you thought about just sort of the way he's trying to, to build Oregon State back up into a, a national power? Well, if he... And that was part of the reason I came back here. I actually coached at Oregon. I left Montana State and went to Oregon State in 1999. Yeah. And Jonathan Smith was our quarterback. And you talk about just a, a great person, but he's got a competitive freak to him. You know, likes to do things the right way. Um, you know, and coming back here when he got the job, that was easy for me because, you know, I knew we could get this thing going. We've been successful before, and I knew we'd do it the right way. And so it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun to be a part of it. Well, you mentioned when you were at Oregon State the first time, 1990-2001, and that was definitely one of the best stretches in Oregon State football history. Uh, the great year where you went to the Fiesta Bowl and won 11 games. And obviously Dennis Erickson has deep ties to Montana and Montana State as well, having uh, played at Montana State and coached at Montana State as well. So uh, when you remember back to that time at OSU, what, what did you guys do so well that were you able to harness that momentum and, and become, uh, you know, such a, a nationally elite team? Well, I think we did a great job of getting some recruiting, and we did it a little differently. We went to junior colleges back then, and there was kind of a hole. And we were able to get some really, really good athletic kids. And then there was a solid base of kids here. You know, Jonathan, our head coach, was actually a walk-on quarterback. Wow. A little player here. And, uh, and just some things fell together, and, and we grew and developed that season, and it was, it was kind of magical. Jim Mahalchik joining us. He's the offensive line coach for Oregon State, as well as formerly at Montana State from 1992 to 1998. The Bobcats play against Oregon State in downtown Portland uh, on Saturday. One more question about the, the Jonathan Smith Oregon State teams. Do you remember Dewan Edwards? I know you were coaching the old line, but he was a defensive lineman back then. He has a Montana tie as well. So, uh, do, do you remember him as a player? Oh heck yeah! I remember Dewan when he was still in high school in Columbus. Montana. Yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, was recruiting him to Montana State when he committed to Oregon State, and then I ended up going to Oregon State shortly after that. And, and uh, he was a great player here and had an amazing NFL career. Amazing NFL career, playing for the Ravens and playing in the Super Bowl and, and playing for the Panthers and, and uh, just an all-around great guy as well. There's so many ties 
in this part of the country. I mean, that, that's just kind of how college football works, but it's also just kind of how the Western United States works, too. Even though there's a lot of land space, not a lot of people compared to other parts of the country. But what do you think of that element, just the fact there is so many crossovers and, and there's probably a lot of memories that are coming up this week uh, with Mon- Montana State on the schedule? You know, it's, it's a great deal. I had, I had a great seven years of my life in Bozeman. Uh, met some amazing people to stay in touch with now. And and it's it's interesting, even if you look at our staff, uh, I mean, I, there must be six, seven guys yep. who either spent time in Montana State or Montana. And so and I think every one of us loved our time there. You know, it's, uh, it's a special state. It's, you know, it's a great football state. You know, now we gotta, now we got to go play this game. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, when you think back to your time at MSU, what, what was it like in those days working for Cliff Heisel and, and uh, just Bobcat football at that time? You know, we when Cliff got the job, we it was kind of a low point in the program. And I think, you know, he did a great job. We got it better every year. You know, unfortunately, the other team across the state, uh, they, they got better every year, too. And we're pretty damn good at that time. Montana I was playing for national championships, and we were trying to keep up. But... Uh, um, you know, I, I, as a young coach, uh, Cliff Heisel was an amazing mentor to me. I mean, I, I still hear his voice all the time, you know, and I think, I think we did some great things. It's amazing to me. You know, I was at Fresno last week and ran into a wide receiver we had on our team from, from L.A. who I hadn't seen in a lot of years. You know, and it's just amazing some of the great kids we had, coaches, and, and uh, the great times we had. Well, let's talk about this matchup on Saturday then Jim Mahalchik joining us here on Nuanas Now he is the offensive line coach at Oregon State coach of Montana State in the 1990s uh, the Bobcats last year an unbelievably talented squad one of the most talented teams I've seen in my 16 years covering the big sky and uh, you know a squad that put four guys on active NFL rosters as rookies this year so uh, that talent definitely shown through uh, but this year's Bobcat squad sort of making their own way now a couple games in what have you seen on film what have you what have you liked out of Montana State when you kind of prepare for that defensive front? You see a lot of the same things this year that you saw last year. You see guys that are playing aggressive, physical, running through the ball, making plays. You know, they, they play defense the right way. A lot of it's attitude, and, and these kids are tough. They get after you and, and make plays. So it's, it's a real challenge. You know, it's it's it kind of makes you, you smile, you know, having coached there of seeing the way they carry themselves and the way they play. Well, it seems like they kind of have they, – They've. it was funny because for a moment in time, Montana State wanted to be, you know, all spread out and score a bunch of points. Uh, but it seems like they've sort of gone back to what has worked for them for so long, and that is kind of just blue-collar, you know, tough kids and, and playing hard defense and being good up front. Yeah, and they, they're a very well-coached team. I mean, you can see that on film. Um I actually know a few of those coaches. You know, we cross paths in in this profession, and and they do a great job. I mean, they really do, and you can see it on film. There's there's not weaknesses to exploit. You know, you just got to go play. Well, coach, we appreciate the time. Last thing for you uh, with conference play right around the corner. I mean, I know every game in college football has massive importance, but uh, what's this last uh, non-conference game like for you guys? And and what do you hope to get done? What do you hope to see improve? as you take on Montana State in downtown Portland? Well, I think, you know, I deal more offensively. I think we you take every game one at a time, you know. Um, and the number one thing is, is we just got to work on being more consistent offensively. Um, just our execution at times, we're 
too inconsistent with things. And we got to go play. I mean, we got to go out. And, uh, it's a physical defense we're going to have to play, and, and we got to match their intensity. Jim McCulchich joining us here on Nuanas Now. Coach, thanks for being here, uh, and best of luck on Saturday. Maybe we'll see you on the sideline, but either way, uh, best of luck, and thanks so much for giving us some time today. Uh, thanks very much. Appreciate it. The Oregon State, Montana State, and Montana crossovers are prevalent. We'll hear from one last guy who stood on both sides of the coin, Dennis Erickson, College Football Hall of Famer, an assistant coach at Montana State in the 1970s, the head coach at Oregon State in the late 1990s and early 2000s. He'll join us next. Keep it right here. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio Missoula. Hope you're having an outstanding end to your week. Hope you got great big weekend plans. I'm sitting here in the City of Roses down here at Stadium Sports Bar in Portland, Oregon. Happy to be here. Happy to be hanging out with you. So thanks so much for spending some time with us. I'm Coulter Nuanas. This is Nuanas Now. Appreciate 10 Barrel Brewing for bringing us out and for hosting us, putting us up three different uh, great places here uh, throughout uh, the City of Roses. And we are here for a variety of reasons, mainly to cover Montana State's game against Oregon State. The Beavers and the Bobcats square off at Providence Park tomorrow, 6 p.m. Mountain Time kickoff, 5 p.m. local time here, Pacific time here from downtown Portland. Should be a fun one, should be a good one, and very interesting. The first time these two programs have ever played. We'll take you home here on your Friday and get you set up for this game with a man who played at Montana State, coached at Montana State, and then years and years later coached at Oregon State, College Football Hall of Famer and Montana Football Hall of Famer Dennis Erickson joins us now. Coach, we appreciate you taking some time. What's been going on? How you doing? I'm doing really good. It's uh, been a good summer, and now it's football season, and so we get a chance to watch, watch all these games and see what's going on. I'm, I'm excited for both Montana State and Oregon State tonight. It'll be an interesting football game. Well, tell us about that. I mean, what have you been up to? Because I know the last time I talked to you, you were maybe contemplating helping out at, uh, at, at the high school that your son was at. Are you missing coaching, or what's been going on with you lately? Give people the update on Dennis Erickson. Well, yeah, I, I retired a couple of years ago. I was I was a head coach uh, of the uh, Utah team in that AAF league, and uh, yep. we played about eight games, and they went belly up. And, and other than that, I, I I haven't been coaching. I've gone to a number of different practices, you know, around the place, and and uh, as somewhat of an advisor, but not much. I don't try to stick my nose in it too much, but. Uh, you know, I've been around it a long time. It's time for some of those young guys to take over and see what, what happens. Well, interesting, Paul, too, because now your son Bryce is coaching at the University of Montana. You yourself played and coached at Montana State. So what's it like having a son that's a Grizzly? Well, it's it's, it's interesting. You know, when I, when I played at Montana State in 1967, uh, my dad was an assistant for Jack Swarthout at the University of Montana. 
And I was a I was a player. I was a quarterback of Montana State. So it's not anything new. You know, it's uh, you know you're always a Bobcat, and then the family comes into it. So it's going to be interesting Saturday when they play. So I root for both teams, and uh, we'll see how the season goes. Dennis Erickson joining us here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. He was a coach at Montana State in the 70s and then the head coach at Oregon State late 90s, early 2000s. And, Coach, I want to ask you about that fold. Uh, you were the coach during Oregon State's perhaps greatest run and certainly their greatest teams during the modern era. And now the guy who's the head coach there at Oregon State, he was your quarterback, Jonathan Smith, a guy who came to OSU as a yeah. walk on. So, well, I mean, what have you thought of his rise through the coaching ranks and what do you think of him being back at Oregon State? Uh, it's great for Oregon State. He's done one heck of a great job there. And finally got an ex-player there that's been around. He started, he coached for me at Idaho for a bit and uh, has moved around. He's he's earned where he's at right now. And, uh, you know, he's, and they're very, they've been very successful. He's building that program from the ground floor. There was a little mess there for a couple of years, and he took it over and has made it very, very solid. And they're doing it the right way. And, and uh you know, with all this other things that are going on with the transfer portal and the IEL, and, you know, it's, it's not easy anymore. You know, you're dealing with some things that, uh, you know, I don't know that Oregon State has the money to deal with the SCs and that and that IEL deal. So, but he's done a good job. He's, he's, he's building it the correct way. No doubt about it. And, uh, it's been fun to watch and fun to monitor. When you think back to those uh, years where you were at Oregon State and you guys had such great years, you know, the 11-1 year in 2000 when you won the Fiesta Bowl, what were you able to do and what were you able to capture that maybe has eluded Oregon State since then? I mean, how were you guys able to rise up to not just be competitive in the region but to be competitive nationally? Well, we were able to, to, to come in and, and we were able to uh, fill our team up with some junior college players. And uh, uh, we brought in guys like T.J. TJ Hushmanzada, Chad Johnson. They both played in the league. We had a guy by the name of Steven Jackson that was a high school kid out of Vegas, and then Jonathan. And we had, we had a mix of Oregon players and, and junior college players. And, you know, we hit California pretty, pretty good recruiting-wise because I knew that stayed from wherever I, wherever I uh, had been. And, and, uh, but, you know, you got to understand what, what you got to do at Oregon State. I mean, you're not going to go down in Southern California and beat USC and UCLA on players. It's just not going to happen. So you, you, know, you got to look at the players that are going to grow and get better all the time. JC uh, guys, like I said, I don't know that that's such a big thing now, but I still think it is, even with the transfer portal. But get the guys that, that fit what you want. And that's what we did at, at Oregon State, and that's what Jonathan's done. You know, he doesn't get all the four- and five-star recruits at all. You know, he gets guys that he knows can play for them, and then they build a, you know, a great culture at Oregon, at Oregon State now, and it's paying off for him. It seems like there's a parallel there between Oregon State and Montana State, too, because both, you know, land-grant institutions, both great engineering schools, both hard academically, but, you know, very challenging academically, and, and both sort of in, in rural towns, small towns. So, I mean, do you see a parallel there in, toward, in, in terms of kind of identifying the right kids that you do recruit to, to each program? Yeah, with, yeah, without a question. I mean, you just got to see, see what fits for your program. And, uh, you know, they've done that at Montana State. Brent's done a great job, and Jeff Show did a jo great job of recruiting when he was there before him. And, and uh, you know, they're doing the same thing. They're bringing in solid kids from – 
you know, they start at the state of Montana, and, and uh, obviously that's uh, where the bread and butter comes from, but they've done a nice job of going out of state and getting some skilled players and, and you know, developing the program that way. And, uh, you know, that you know that's basically the same philosophy we had when I was at Oregon State. There's but our we, uh, at Oregon. Oh, and, oh, go ahead, Coach. But, you know, our team in 2000, yeah, okay. Our, our team in 2000 was, uh, well, I think we ended up as being one of the best in the country. And if they had a playoff, you know, in 2000, who knows what had happened. And, uh, but we built it that way, and it kept going. And then I left, and, and Coach Riley came back in, you know, for a second term and did a good job. And then after that, when he went to Alabama, kind of, kind of, what the heck a little bit. Dennis Erickson joining us here, College Football Hall of Famer on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the new ESPN Montana app. And, Coach, last thing for you, you've had so many stops throughout uh, your coaching career, uh, all throughout the Western United States, all over the country, quite honestly, and, and some great successes, including those national championships at Miami. But I know a lot of times where, where you start out, it, it always holds a special place in your heart. And I know you played there at Montana State and then started your coaching career there as well under, under Coach Holland, Sonny Holland. So uh, what have you thought of the Bobcats recently? I mean, last year, a, a unprecedented run, a historic run for Montana State all the way to the national championship game. What have you thought of Bobcat football and sort of the heights that it's reached here in the last couple of years? I think it's been great. You know, Montana State's very close to my heart but wasn't for them giving me a, a chance to play and get a scholarship and, and go to college there who knows what would happen to me but uh you know they're the ones that started it for me and and uh, uh i owe them a heck of a lot you know i've tried to pay back in as many ways as, as i can and, and uh but uh what they're doing now they're very solid you know i like what i see I think Tommy's outstanding at quarterback and gives him a lot of different different things. And uh, you know they're a little short running back right now with some injuries, but you know and they're they're playing awfully good on defense. So I'm just proud of what they're doing. You know they're right up on top now, and that's where they should be. Well, coach, we appreciate you taking some time. Thanks so much for fitting us in, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. But in the meantime, be well, and thanks for being here today. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you. Dennis Erickson, College Football Hall of Famer, Montana State alum, one of the greatest coaches in Oregon State history, a guy that won a pair of national championships at the U, Miami. Pretty cool. Appreciate Dennis for joining us. Appreciate you for hanging out with us all week long. We are here in Portland, and we'll be here until the game tomorrow. You can find full coverage of the Montana State-Oregon State game at SkylineSportsMT.com. You can also find full coverage of the Montana-Indiana State game at SkylineSportsMT.com. And be sure to join us next Monday as well for a full breakdown, plus plenty of interviews and reactions from both games and around the Big Sky Conference as well uh, on the Montana Football Hour, hour number one, as well as the Monday afternoon quarterback with Marty Mortaweg in hour number two. If you missed anything in today's show, fun show, tons of guests, Bobcats, Grizzlies, all the way around. Robbie Houck and Malik Flowers from the Grizz. Brent Vegan and Willie Garza from the Bobcats. Also heard from Dane Oliver, the head coach of Missoula Sentinel, his squad, playing Kalispell Glacier tonight up in the Flathead Valley. Also heard from Matt Johnson, Missoula Big Sky. His squad hosts Helena Capital. 
uh, on uh, tonight in Missoula. And we also heard from Jim McAlchich. He's the offensive line coach at Oregon State, formerly of Montana State as well. Tons of crossover. That's what makes this stuff fun. Uh, crazy to think all the ties between Montana State and Oregon State and the fact that they've never played before. But that will change tomorrow night. So we will very much look forward to bringing you some coverage of that. Everything from today's show can be found on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is proudly presented by the M-Store. Be sure to check out the M-Store next time you are at Washington Grizzly Stadium. They have an in-stadium store. Uh, so appreciate them for their continued sponsorship of the Nuanas Now podcast. Also, the Advocates, reminding you that you deserve an advocate and the Montana State Bookstore. The MSU Bookstore has been given some of their proceeds back to keep textbooks more affordable for students, so a worthy cause there as well. Another weekend of football is upon us. Huge week in the NFL in week two. Can't wait to pick Coach Marty's brain about that on Monday and can't wait to give you reactions from this last weekend as well. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Nuanas Now live from stadiums in Portland. We'll be back at it on Monday at 4 p.m. In the meantime, have yourself a phenomenal evening and be good. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.